you guys. It's Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal. And once again, we're here for our official podcast, Scandal Revealed. Today, we have an amazing guest who actually we've been trying to bind and gag and drag into the office to force him to do this. And he actually agreed to do it. Hi. There he is. See, that was actually the lovely, spectacular, talented Dan Bukatinsky. A couple of fun facts about Dan Dan is very dear to the Shondaland family in that we actually have a weird sort of indentured servitude going on with him where he actually writes on Grey's Anatomy and, as you all know, plays James on Scandal. Yes. And also happens to do a show called Web Therapy with Lisa Kudrow, which is not on ABC, but I'm promoting anyway. Thank you. And wrote an amazing book, which I actually recommend that you all go out and buy, oh. which is called... Does this baby make me look straight? Yes, and it does, and clearly it doesn't. And by the way, I am, as tradition allows, I am going to actually describe what Dan is wearing. And Dan has really risen to the occasion today by wearing a nicely tailored pair of tan jean material pants, mm-hmm. yes. a lovely suede jacket, and sort of a, a, a nice gray with a gray sweater and a very peppy tie. But the thing that really sets Dan apart from most of our other podcast guests are his shoes, which he seems to be wearing with what I'm going to guess is a nice pair of Paul Smithy type socks. And he's wearing the kickiest pair of silver leather loafers, which I may stun him and take them. <laughs> Actually, at the end of this podcast, even though they won't fit me, maybe I'll wear them on my hands. I recommend them because they can show you whether you have lipstick on your teeth. Which is which is which very good I for me. I often don't, but which, if which, I do, if you do, and I'll know. if I ever bother to put it on, I might be able to check exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. And I'm today for some reason wearing a nightgown, but nobody knows why. It's and, nice, right? And Hello Kitty looks good on you. <laughs> it does, right? I'm a big fan. Do you think yeah. the slippers matching are a little too much? I, no, no, no. I like too it. Matchy, it completes, matchy? No, it completes the look. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. That's that's a big relief. On you, it works. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so the great thing is you're actually here for what I would say is quite an ultimate episode of this show. We didn't resolve things, but I think a lot of the things which were hanging out in the balance aren't, mm-hmm. they kind of came to a head and they've been taken care of one way or the other. Yes. One of which, of course, is James comes very close to biting the dust. As close as one can come, I think. I I think when you have a assassin standing behind you with a gun ready to shoot and then... You can almost feel the barrel in your back, that kind of situation. And, And the thing about this was, I mean, I will never, as long as I live, forget the table read of this episode, which arrived in front of the actors while it was still warm, just literally seconds before we had to do the table read. And as I have often told people about what I found so unbelievably heart-pounding about this episode is that characters behave in ways that you would never predict them to behave. Absolutely. And I was reading this page by page, and normally we get a little bit ahead of it. Like, even if you go get a cup of coffee before you start reading, you've got seconds to go find, you know, like any typical actor, find your lines and highlight them. Uh, We were all reading as we went, Mm -hmm. and I literally was sweating and needed to be changed afterwards because (laughs) I felt like, oh, this is it. This is it. Shonda afterwards went, really? You really think I would have killed you off the show without telling you first? I was like, we didn't, there was no time. <laughs> Literally. They you barely typed. printed the script up in time. What time were you to tell me that I was dying? The, they typed, but that scene, as it was being read at the table, was yes. as suspenseful as it ultimately plays. And you put it really well. I hadn't heard it articulated quite like that before, which is every single character in this episode actually does something which you would think is antithetical to who you think they are. Yes. But they do it anyway. Right. When you think about Verna, 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, the last thing we ever would have suspected, or I would have suspected, and I work on the show, yeah. is that Verna concocted this entire psychotic portrayal of the president and the disdain and kind of hatred she's had for him for all these years, but also that she would she would actually go to the trouble of hiring a hit woman who she got kind of recommended indirectly yeah. from Hollis to take the president out, and to, then when that didn't work, try again. Yeah, and in some way to not only cleanse her legacy, but also to cleanse the American people of what was, in her mind, a false presidency. I mean, it's like this crazy... Oh, how good is Deb in this episode? Oh, my episode? God, Deborah <gasps> Mooney. I was like, my jaw... I, I'm in such awe of all the actors on it's this like show. The, and this show, by the way, is just... It's an actor-palooza. Deborah Mooney plays Verna, yes. um, our Supreme Court judge. Another very intense and emotional and surprising turn totally when Fitz decides to take life into his own hands literally and that moment where I and I, and I sat I always sit across from Tony in the table read because yeah. it's a giant square we actually all have sort of places where everybody normally sits we sort sets. of have yeah, found a, our it's way it's a little bit like fifth grade and, and I was st- looking at, at Carrie and looking at Tony as we turned every page and we get to that to that scene yeah. and Tony like the rest of us like jaw dropping heart pounding Shaking our heads like, I can't believe this. One of my favorite things about that moment is you cannot believe that Verna has done this. You cannot believe that this has happened. You are just horrified and angered. And this moment where Fitz walks away and stops and thinks, and you realize he's going to take responsibility for doing this thing, and he's going to do it, is one of the most dramatically amazing moments ever. Amazing. But I also have to say that maybe... For emotional reasons, my favorite thing in this episode involves you and your television husband, Cyrus. Please tell me that we are, we're wearing clothes. No, you guys aren't we're wearing not. clothes. I know it's the such, It's such, I'm sure you do. I think it's probably ingrained in your memory <sighs> yes. um, in a very special way. And that scene is talking about being literally naked. Yes, quite literally naked. And, and quite literally what I thought I could never. Here's the other reason I, br- I brought up what I said about these characters on this show. Yep astound me and the audiences that are clearly watching it because of this idea that at no point that you feel like you understand them or where they're coming from or what they want, Mm -hmm. do they necessarily behave consistently with that. And likewise, I, as an actor on the show, who who imagined myself never to remove my clothing for for (laughs) national television, behaved in a manner that was unlike myself when, in fact, of course, we were given this challenge of having this five-page scene and this enormous emotional fight completely stripped of anything that we could be wearing and or, you know, anything that Mm -hmm. we could hide behind. Mm -hmm. And I was scared. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, First of all, I'd like to say, as a television audience viewer, I thought you looked amazing. Well, thank you. I thought you looked amazing, and I think the wait was worth it for the American public. In that particular case, but well, I'm glad you mentioned weight because I had <laughs> I had 11 days to lose as much weight as I possibly could. And I have to say, I ran into Danny on the lot here at Gray's Anatomy. I remember you were holding a cup of something, and I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm juicing." Yep. I'm juicing. All I'm doing is juicing. I'm, juicing. I'm living on juice. I've got like four days to I've, juice. I've never eaten less and done more sit-ups in my life, and I still don't think it was enough. I think I think, I think you, you, A, both looked fabulous, and B, one of the things that I think was really impressive about that scene is that scene could have been funny. Yeah. And when you start it, you think, 
there's a little bit of Austin Powers like blocking yeah. going on because obviously everything has to be covered. But that scene when everybody takes their clothes off and you kind of go, there's something kind of amazingly humorous about this. It's so intense. Yeah. Within one millisecond, it changes to this incredibly intense, heartbreaking thing. And then once again, your character does something I never thought he would do, which is he looks at his husband and says, I got to choose her. I'm going with her. I'm going to tell the truth. See you later. Right. The look on Cyrus's face when you walk out the door, and we were doing, we were spotting the episode, and we were timing the door slam yeah. at this particular point, so yeah. <gasps> it matched up with his face, which was one of the funs of this, fun things about this job is the sound aspect of the oh, show, yeah. which is one of the other things that I get to participate in. So many great surprises, though, about that scene. Like when the baby crying, the sound of the baby crying uh. goes out suddenly. Uh. You know, you hear her crying, and I, I'm a dad, and and I, that sound is very visceral to me as well. And so it, it, it's a relief when you get to when I got to leave that room in a way, I had to get out of there in a sense. But yep. I'm also have made a choice, and then you see him left, and the silence says so much. I thought it was very well done. Well, you know what's great is we did have a question from a wonderful Twitter follower whose name is Cheryl at Magimacon Gal had asked, will Cyrus and James bring the baby home soon? And I think we answered that question in yeah. this episode, which is... She's home. We were all desperate. After we saw you hold the baby in the hospital, honestly, yeah. and looked at I mean, this amazing scene where your face is just all these mixed emotions yeah. and this torturous longing for this child. And you know in that moment that James is going to do whatever it takes yeah. to keep that baby. And then when David confronts him in the park, it's yeah. so intensely upsetting because the baby may get taken away from him. Do, I wonder, do you foresee the future for for you know James and Cyrus and the baby? I, I do. I feel like uh, um, James sort of knew what he was getting into when he got involved with someone who became the chief of staff. I feel like Cyrus has met his match with James, who is <laughs> not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. And like everyone else on this show, which I also love about this show, mm-hmm. will do whatever he has to do to get what he wants mm-hmm. without necessarily betraying the love that he has for his husband, which is something I don't think we've seen on de- network television before. Totally agree. That a gay couple can be married and want children and also not be holier than thou and also be ruthless and ambitious and in some cases be willing to do things that are could be perceived as morally reprehensible. I think James will do whatever he has to do to keep that family together. I agree. And by the way, I also felt like James, as an ambitious individual, also was going to do whatever he wanted to, had to do as a journalist. Yeah. Um, actually, you got a question from Swivel Chair Potato at Desk Chair Potato, mm-hmm. one of the better Twitter handles, by the way, I've yes. heard in a long time. Um, and he says, or she says, or the person says, James is in a difficult position, but please tell me he won't give away his future Pulitzer. Isn't that Which funny? Which I think we're all sort of hoping you go back to digging around on some stuff, because you're... you're I- I, here's the thing. I, I, I've never been stopped more after this, you know, especially around this time about the baby and about so many people angry with me for stirring the pot. And why don't you leave well enough alone and don't bring down your husband? And what are you doing? Just leave well enough alone. I mean, real anger towards me as if I, had, <laughs> as if I Dan Bukatinsky, had anything to do with it. But it's interesting how likewise there are those who are like, don't let don't let anything stand in the way of the truth and your ambition for a Pulitzer and your career. And it's so funny because the passion to be a dad and the passion to be a journalist are very, very powerful. They are. And, you know, I think that's one of the great things, you, as you said, is about the show is you understand both positions. And at various points, you sympathize with those positions, yeah, which is, exactly. on one hand, why 
Why shouldn't you want to have both things? And so much, honestly, about the shows that we do over here in Shondaland is about that conflict. Yeah. It's really about at what part point does personal win over professional. And we've dealt with this in Grays a lot. Yeah. One of the really appealing things when we were first talking about and developing Grays was, and Shonda was creating the show, was this idea of two women who are friends but are competing for the same thing. How does that work? And yeah. in a case with these men and Washington, you know, you always heard about those marriages, you know, the, the Carvel yeah. marriage where you thought, how the heck do they... How are they doing it? How do, how do they do that? And there is sort of weird separation of church and state, which I think James and Cyrus are the best example of in on the show right. because there are things they just can't tell each other. I don't know. I killed somebody last season. Might yeah. be one of them. Or what about... I don't know. I was digging around and I was saying I was visiting my father, but really but I, I was, was doing this other thing. Finding out what you were up to. Exactly. Not to mention that I was encouraging... A, a U.S. attorney to yes to bring down the presidency and yes. tell the story of a lifetime, which in fact would bring down my own husband. And these are the weird contradictions and obstacles that I think a make it feel so real and b make people so emotional about like why are you willing to do this to your husband? And it's like I don't think James looks at it that way. No, it's two separate things. I love my husband, but I also have to have to have to pursue. The, the truth, which is what makes me think, I'm not a writer on Scandal, but it makes me think that I don't know whether James, while he may think that he's complacent to just be an at-home dad, I don't know whether he would absolutely be willing to let, because I know for myself when I became an, a dad, <laughs> let the other itches just sort of subside. I think totally, and I also feel like, you know, the ability to compartmentalize, which we yeah. all, some people do better than others, and but I have a number of friends. I mean, I'm working with somebody right now who's a new mom and loves being a mom and loves her loves her child so much. Yeah. But got to the office and looked around and went, "This is okay." Yeah. I like this. I don't mind this time at all. too. Yes, yeah. exactly. This is Tessie. This is using an entirely different brain skill. You know. Yeah. Then, and you do both. I mean, you've done both consistently since you have had two children. Yes, I think my I was literally shooting a pilot when our birth mom delivered and 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 had to literally balance race and that's a whole different situation because oh, yeah. in, in an adoption like that you're also yeah. taking care of the birth mother and then it was i have been juggling ever since and uh and i love both i'm passionate about both it's one reason i love playing james because i absolutely uh feel a, a kinship so that actually plays right into sansi at sansi 22 asks what do you like about the character you portray and if you could give him advice what would you say you know at a different time in my life as an actor i think i would lo have loved to play something really really far from myself mm -hmm. and, and one of the reasons i became an actor is because we get to play such a variety of different extremes of things that we may normally mm -hmm. never get to experience mm -hmm. at this stage of my life there's something incredibly satisfying about playing this gay dad who is trying to work and have a family and have a husband and bring some semblance of what we could call normalcy yeah. into this Hollywood, in not Hollywood, I should say, this Washington. Similarities, though, yeah. yeah of course, totally. this political marriage. And at the same time, has unbelievable ambition. And I, I, I experience that. I relate to that. So I'm able to bring an enormous amount of my personal experience to the role, which I find very liberating. I mean, first of all, one of the my favorite things about season one is simply the fact that it's never talked about, it's never been an issue, but Cyrus happens to be gay. And Cyrus happens yeah. to be married. Yeah. And you sort of appeared very briefly in these little chunks, delightfully so. And I think everybody was sort of like, I, we really want to know more about that marriage and how that marriage ticks. Because you're both incredibly appealing 
actors and characters and this whole kind of conversation that took place, which was, I want a smushy baby. Yeah. And this other side of Cyrus where he has this guy at home who's saying, you know, I want you home once once a month to trim the roses and trim yeah. the garden, was such a revelation that it was such a wonderful thing this season to see so much of you. Hats off to Shonda and to you and to all the writers because the very nature, the very matter-of-fact way in which you will in, you would introduce the husband of the chief of staff, where Carrie, playing Olivia Pope, shows up at that door and says, well, I don't get a hug this time. Mm-hmm. That, that's the first thing she says to me, which instantly lets the audience know tons oh, yeah. about how who knew, how everyone knows, how normal it is. It's an unbelievable matter-of-fact moment, which is... A groundbreaking in its in its in, in, by its very nature. You know that's interesting, and also I think I loved the fact that this season, then we got to see the hell that they went through to get to that place, right? And the fact that James actually very functional and normal and open about the whole thing, but the battle that Cyrus went through because we saw the result first. But yeah. what's so great about the flashbacks on this show is you get caught up to the speed. food chain yeah. exactly of how you got to be here, which is. I think is incredibly and the fun. dysfunction, the flashback of when I wasn't, when I was no longer going to be invited to the uh, to those inaugural balls. That fight that Olivia overhears in that office. Oh, it's just just and you hear the screaming, and it's like you know that battle. And what's it like for two gay men, one who sort of came out of the closet probably ten years later than than Cyrus? Yeah. That's a whole other thing that is being sort of touched upon in a, in the most modern of ways. The, the great thing about the show is we can delve into all these different worlds yeah. and it feels just like a normal world. Yeah. I guess EH at Elizabeth 514-99565. I don't quite know where you guys come up with some of your names, but I think it's phenomenal and lovely that you all have such incredible names. And as we all know, I'm new to Twitter. She says, um, what do you do on Grey's and what are your favorite TV shows aside from the obvious? <laughs> Which is, you totally caught me there. Yeah. What I do on Grey's is very similar to what I do on Scandal. But on each show, I also have worked on private practice and developed each of the shows with Shonda. And I'm sort of the non-writing showrunner in a way. I'm the non-writing executive producer, which means I take care of everything that isn't writing. I can develop, I can do casting, I can help with anything of all the production staff, the line producer, the budgets, the negotiating. And I'm there if people want to talk about story and I'm available to do that because I also develop shows. But thanks for asking the question. So this has been like amazing to get a chance to talk to you. Yes. And I also do really encourage you guys to check out his broad plethora of work. Well, thanks. And I will undoubtedly be back next week with another special guest. Also for somebody who tweeted uh, last week and I didn't respond directly to your tweet and I'm sorry, I don't have your name in front of me. Katie Lowe's was wearing, when we spoke to her two weeks ago, Katie Lowe's was wearing a filmy white top and um, a great pair of sneakers. So you did comment on the fact that I forgot to actually mention what she was wearing when we answered fan questions and her filmy white top was was very zesty. So thank you guys so much for listening. Keep tweeting your questions. We'll try to incorporate them as best we can in the podcast. And I swear I'm getting better. I'm going to get the courage up and I'm going to start to answer you guys directly, I swear. And thank you again, Dan. Oh, my pleasure. And please remember to watch Scandal. It's at 10 o'clock on Thursdays at ABC. And we'll be live tweeting. Please also check out the show Grey's Anatomy, 9 o'clock Thursday nights, ABC. Really, really good stuff coming up. And now you're going to love it even more because you know that Dan works on it too. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Betsy Beers, executive producer, Scandal. 
This is Scandal Revealed. See you next time.